The title of the message today is The Light of Life. And if you would turn with me to the book of Luke, the first chapter, verse 79. And this particular verse is a passage from one of the characters that we'll see in this particular chapter named Zechariah. And he's proclaiming and he's professing the deliverance of the Lord. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So important that we kind of really just get an understanding of what all is happening here. And so there is a time that we know that the Israelites are in darkness. They're in time where God has become silent. God has had done so much for the Israelites and sharing them with them who he is and his plan and his purpose for them and giving them the commandments and, 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 and commanding them to trust him, to follow him, to obey him. And many times they turned away from God, so much so that they continued to fall away that God sent deliverers over and over and over again. And so we come to a point where there's been 400 years of silence, of, of what we would call darkness, where they were not able to hear fully from God. And so that now that God is at the point of he's sending what he promised, he's sending hope, he's sending the Savior, we see now Luke is starting to tell the story, the gospel story, the good news, and he begins in chapter 1 with individuals that we probably wouldn't think would be the starting of this New Testament, this new covenant, the, the, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so we see a couple of figures here. We see Zechariah and we see Elizabeth who are old in age. Zechariah is a priest. He's going to the temple in Jerusalem. He's doing his duty. The Bible says that he's a righteous man and he's faithful. And then we also see this single woman named Mary, who's trusting the Lord, who's waiting for the Lord to just send her her husband, and she knows that she's espoused to be married to Joseph. And so Luke talks a little bit about these three individuals in this chapter. And so we understand that they're is the charging of the lights of the incense when Zechariah goes into the temple. He spends a little time in Jerusalem. That's not where he lives. He does his duty, and then he goes back home. And they would be the parents of who would be John the Baptist. And so in this passage, we see the angel Gabriel. He's coming to Zechariah while he's in the temple, where, while he's lighting the incense, while he's doing his duty. And in the passage right there in chapter 1, verse 11, it gives us a backdrop of that. It says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayers is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. 
And so God is speaking through the angel Gabriel that he heard his prayers, that he's going to meet his prayers. He's going to meet him at the very point of his need. But because Zachariah is old, he begins to doubt God's message of a son. He actually speaks to the angel, and he makes a comment about, prove it to me, show me that this is true. And so the angel Gabriel kind of, I, I have this visual that he's a little shocked. He's like, I'm, I'm the angel. <laughs> I'm standing in the temple with you. And so the angel Gabriel says, okay. He shuts his ears where he cannot hear. He shuts his mouth where he cannot talk. And he says, when God brings this to pass, then you will be released and be able to hear and able to talk. So nobody sees the angel but Zechariah. He spends a little bit more time in the temple, probably confused about what just happened. And then he comes out and they're looking at Zechariah, expecting him to say some things and he cannot say anything. And so after he finishes his duty, he goes back home. And he spends some time with his wife. And most of us in here knows how babies are made. So he spends some time with his wife. And Elizabeth conceives a child in their older age. And so several months pass. Elizabeth doesn't go really go out and share this with anyone because she has waited so long. And in her time and in her days, the women are mocked and almost seen as being cursed if they're not able to have children. And so she's holding on and she's being quiet and she's trusting. And then Luke decides to share a little backdrop this young lady named Mary. Because the angel came to Zechariah, who was a priest, who knew the, the promises of God, knew the commandments of God, and he did not believe. So the same angel Gabriel comes to this young lady, Mary. And he goes before and we see here in the 26th verse of Luke, the first chapter, what occurs. It reads, And the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art Highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him, she said she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. 
He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And then we see a little part here where with Zechariah, he didn't believe. He, he kind of said, prove it to me. But Mary doesn't do this. And her trusting and believing, but also understanding how babies come into the world, she asks the question, how? And he explained it to her. Not that I don't believe, not that I don't trust everything that God says and that God would do, but how? And so the angel explained it. How this would be, how this would come about. And so we see a, 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 a difference here. Maybe with Zechariah, things have gotten to a point where he's gotten a little bit old, got a little trouble, got a little difficulty, and his faith started waning or doubting. And so Mary and her full of life and youthfulness, she just, how? And so we see a little bit of transition here. The story picks up. And it transitions over to Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And so as she's entering into house, she is now has the baby Jesus growing on the inside of her. Elizabeth is about six months pregnant. She's starting to show. She's starting to grow a little bit. And Mary comes in. And she gives salutations, she gives greetings. And here's what the scriptures tells us in verse 41. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And when is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Here we see some what belief can do here. We see these two ladies coming together and the life that's inside of them starts stirring up. John the Baptist, the baby inside, he leaps at the very presence of life, the life that's in Christ. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Now the life was in the very presence of Elizabeth. So much so that she started singing this song of praise and joy. And I think maybe Zechariah might have been around. He couldn't talk. He couldn't hear. But maybe he saw these two ladies and the joy that was in them. 
the joy that was set before them. And they rejoiced together. They could sense and feel the presence of the Lord. But Zechariah, he couldn't hear. He couldn't speak. But he could see. See, there's something about this life that brings light. See, even though he couldn't hear and couldn't see, maybe he saw those two ladies cutting up. Maybe he saw them jumping. Maybe he saw a smile on their face. That there was light coming out of them. That they rejoiced in the Lord because he was right there with them. So maybe he just meditated a little bit about what he saw. Even though he couldn't hear. And so we come and we fast forward a little bit to where it's time for Elizabeth to give birth. And as you, if you've read the story before, the custom of the day is for the father to name the son after himself. So they ask, because he can't talk, they ask Elizabeth, What's the name of the son? And remember back when the angel Gabriel said, you shall name his name John. But he never came out of that temple being able to share that with anybody. So Elizabeth, trusting the Lord, hearing from the Lord, she said his name is John. And they looked at her funny and crazy, like, that's not the way we do things here. That's not a tradition of the day. He's supposed to take his father's name. So they turned away from her and turned to Zachariah. Zachariah, what's his name? What's his name? He wrote on a paper. He wrote John. And at the moment he wrote that name, his ears were loose. His tongue was opened, and he started singing a song of praise and deliverance. Because although he may have waned when it came to the fullness of life, he saw it personally for himself. He came to a point over those nine months of meditating on it, of watching, of seeing what was happening, of thinking about his relationship and how God had been so good to him, better than he could ever have been to himself. That God gave him exactly what he asked for, that he would have a child. That when it was impossible, God made it possible. That when it's impossible for man, the God of all possibilities shows up and shows out. And that he could trust God in all things. See, this is what the scripture says in verse 36 and 37. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. See, that wasn't supposed to happen. See, Mary wasn't even supposed to have a baby 
without a husband pregnating her. They were like, no way. That's not supposed to happen. But God is the God of the possible when it's impossible. And this is the sixth month of her year who was called, sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. If we act according to his will. Now don't think some impossible things that are not according to his will that God's going to make possible. Someone shared with me this morning and that transgender, that's not the will of God. So a transgender person will not have a child in that relationship. Lesbian, homosexuality, there cannot bring life in that relationship because it's not a part of God's plan for life. So although we may pray and we ask and we want certain things, if it's not according to his will, it's impossible. And the God of possible won't make it so. So look a little bit farther. Zechariah starts singing this song of praise in verse 67. He says, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. See, deliverance in this scripture is an act of God's, of God whereby he rescues his people from evil and from their enemies. He delivers them out. He rescues them. This is God making possible the impossible. God begins to show them that, that even the everyday things that seem impossible, he can make them possible. An old lady having a child past her childbearing years a virgin young lady giving birth to Jesus. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So in this impossible darkness and impending death that is round the Israelites, and even I would say to you is in our world today, this shadow of death, God gives light. And it's through life, the process of life. And so it's so important that we talk about the process, the light of life's process. The first step is that God sends light. The Bible reminds us that for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God sends it. He's the sender of light. The step two is there must be light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. In John 8, chapter verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am 
the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. God sends. He sends his very best. He sends Jesus Christ, who is light. And that light so desires vessel. And so that's the next step, the vessel of light. See, because of the fall of man, our vessels became broken, unable to do in our own ability to hold and contain life. See, we're just not dead yet. But because of that brokenness, death fell on all of mankind. And each and every one of us are in need of a Savior, in need of the light coming on the inside of us. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, sent Jesus Christ so that our broken vessel would be made whole, so that that vessel would now be able to hold the light of life. And so look what Ephesians Oh, excuse me, John 8, 24 says, I said, therefore, unto you, there you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So that's that broken vessel. That was never God's plan, never God's desire. But we see in Ephesians 2, 1, and he, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he came to make us alive, to give us life so that we would be the light of the world. And so step four is showing that light. See, Mary did a beautiful job of showing that life that was on the inside of her. That light came out so much so that even by her very words, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped. Elizabeth rejoiced. Elizabeth did a wonderful job of showing that light that was on the inside of her. As she sung a song of praise, she rejoiced. She believed in what God had did for her. And now Zechariah needed to trust the Lord in all things, to believe, to have the joy to come in and sing a song of praise. And so at the moment he wrote that name, he started rejoicing to give light to them that, are sit, that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. See, that scripture represents God gave his son, who is the light of life. Man represents that state of darkness. 
and we see it visualized for over 400 years. And if man stays in that state of darkness, man's future is a state of death. And we see that Zechariah didn't stay there. He trusted. He believed. And the Lord delivered him. Just like the whole world needs to be delivered. But for the whole world to be delivered, they must see light in this darkness. And there's so much darkness around us. But thanks be to God, there is still light in this darkness to guide our feet in the way of peace. John would preach himself, he would preach from way straight the way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Zacharias shares a little bit about what the Lord has done and this deliverance. In Luke 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 64, he says, And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake, and he praised God. He spoke of God's deliverance plan, of God redeeming, that he set free, that he was set free from by the Lord. And each and every one of us can be set free by the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross for all of our sins. In verse 68, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He spoke of the horn of salvation, which is a powerful Savior from the lineage of David. See, Jesus is not just a Savior. He's not just a rescuer. He's a powerful Savior. then he saves us from the enemy. Keeps us safe physically from the enemy's snares, spiritually from the tricks of the devil. He's a protector. We can see in his word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And so Zechariah spoke of this in verse 71. He says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. So why did God do all of this? For mercy. Because he's a merciful God. And so that we would remember him that he never, never goes back on his word, that he's faithful, that he's just, that as he spoke it to the Israelites, he would bring it to pass. And maybe someone here has been waiting for God to do something for them. God is a faithful, faithful God. If he said he would do it, he'll do it. You can trust him in all things. There may be times where he'll say, wait, or not now. 
but rest assured he'll show up. He will always be right on time. Look what Zechariah concluded with in verse 72 and 73. He said, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that God would do what he said he would do, that he would fulfill his divine plan, and that he would have a divine purpose for each and every one of us, that those that are delivered would have life and life more abundantly, and that we would share that light of life with somebody that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. So this is another example that we see here in Zechariah. Sometimes we can kind of look at this life, this Christian life, and we can become fearful of what we think it's supposed to look like, the dauntingness of it. Can I really do all those things? Can I really serve God that way? God wants to give us rest and give us assurance that we can serve him because of Jesus Christ. That where we're unable, he's able. And that if we trust him, if we lean upon him, if we follow him, he'll lead us in the way of righteousness. He'll direct our path. He'll give us strength for today and tomorrow. And we, when we mess up, when we fall, he's right there ready to pick us back up. He's right there ready to meet us at the very point of our need. So because we have been delivered, we're no longer slaves to this world. Let us serve him without fear, without hesitation, without doubt, no second guessing whether it is good to follow him or the world. It's good to follow the Lord, to trust him. Serving the saints of God without being all caught up in the things of this world. Serve him in obedience. Serve him living uprightly. And not just a form of godliness, but continuing in holiness and righteousness towards him. And watch endure impossible work in us. Where we're unable he's able be confident of the light of life that lives on the inside of you if you proclaim the name of Christ if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you've been given everything everything lacking nothing now, partake of it all. Don't leave nothing on the table. Just like you eating that meal, don't leave no leftovers. 
and be confident. Matthew spoke of the light that's in us. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Just think about that, saints. When we allow the light of Christ, the light of God, to shine brightly through us, it lights the whole house. It lights everybody around us. They may not understand it. They may not even like it. But they go, oh, man, that's some light. We do something with it. It exposes the darkness. It lights our path. It shows us the way. It goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which in heaven, not you, but him. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Elizabeth and Mary demonstrated that so beautifully. Zechariah got to it. It took him a minute, took him nine months, but he got to it. And he sung a song of deliverance, of praise, that the light of God came out of him. And that light brings rest, brings strength, brings joy, and brings peace. Don't trust in any other. Don't trust in our own abilities, our own way, but trust in him. His life has light and joy. And I don't know about you, but I love when the joy of the Lord is bubbling up on the inside of me. There's something that I just can't help but do. I can't help but sing a song. Anybody in here been there? And maybe you don't have the, 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 the best voice, but there's a song of praise that comes out. There's a song of joy and peace. Knowing that maybe I, in, in our mind there's still some things that are clouded, that we don't understand everything, but this joy that we have, the world didn't give it to us, and the world can't take it away. We know that we know because he lives on the inside of us. And that light first and foremost shines, that light first and foremost shines brightly to us. That he is life. Trust him. Let him be the light of life for you. When you're in dark situations, when you're in trial, remember who lives on the inside of you. Remember that he's not a dead, but he's alive. And alive forevermore. And once again, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.
His light shines into every dark place and gives light to the whole world.